Welcome, everyone, to At WCSU. That's right, our regular listener will recognize that we changed the name of our podcast. We used to be WCSU 411. Then we realized that many of our target audience, college students, don't know what 411 means, so we dumped it. We are now the very hip but casual at WCSU. That's the at symbol, followed by WCSU. One thing hasn't changed. This is still the award-winning podcast that tells you everything you want and need to know about Western Connecticut State University. Also, I'm still Paul Steinmetz. Pete Puccio is still the engineer for the show. <laughs> and social work student Chantel Williams continues as co-host. Chantel will be here later with a look at upcoming events on campus. And Pete, I believe we have a few more delicacies to offer our audience, if I'm not mistaken. We do. Are you still in the uh, holiday meal mode? Is that the, the delicacies thing? Yes. <laughs> yes. And I'm moving I'm the whole month, yes, oh, delicacies. Nice. Uh, yeah, we have uh, uh, an In the stack segment with uh, Director of Library, uh, Veronica Canausis. We have a Provost Minute with the Provost, Dr. Missy Alexander. And uh, between those and the events and uh, the main interview, I think we're, we're all set for this week. Yeah, I think so, too. So we'll bring you our main guest. We're talking to a young woman named Rachel Galeska who recently graduated from WestCon and enlisted in the Peace Corps. She's another one of those people who wants to save the world. You know some of them, right? And in her case, she also wants to deliver babies. So speaking of things that college kids probably don't know what it is, mm -hmm. uh, what is the Peace Corps, Paul? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> it's a U.S. government program that sends mostly young people, but some older people around the world to help mostly poor people in mm, little villages, remote places. Sometimes you can go to a large city and uh, help out there. It uses all different kinds of skills. You could be helping to market a nonprofit, or you could be digging wells for water, or being in healthcare, or any kind of, any sort of things, just trying to help people who don't have the resources to improve their lives. And I think it's a two-year stint, and you could be stuck out in the middle of nowhere for a long time and probably have mail service eventually. But you might not always have Internet. And uh, it's a life-changing experience from everybody that I know who has done that. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, I used to see TV commercials for it. And I, I feel like none of that. I no. don't think it's I don't remember hear, and, and hearing anybody talk about it recently until Rachel came in. So that was really interesting. Yeah, we have a couple of professors here who were in the Peace Corps and are still... Uh, advocating for it and introducing it to students here. And Great. so we have a couple every, one, every once in a while. Cool. Yeah. So. Uh, oh, and if you're interested, uh, peacecore.gov. P-E-A-C-E-C-O-R-P-S dot gov if you want some more information on the Peace Corps. So, Rachel, what attracted you to the Peace Corps? That's a big question. Mm -hmm. Um I kind of had considered it for a long time, just on the back burner kind of things. You know, I was always someone who 
would spend a lot of my time fantasizing about what the future is going to be like and kind of making all these lists of, well, maybe I'd want to do this and maybe I'd want to do this. And Peace Corps was always on there. But it wasn't ever, you know, a real serious consideration um, because I didn't know how it was going to fit into all of the other things that I wanted to do. Um, And it wasn't really until um, Dr. Whittemore had pushed me to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Rob Whittemore teaches uh, social sciences. Yeah. um, He I am. He's a very dear teacher to me. He's Hmm. probably the one who has championed my work and my research and everything else farther than anyone else has. And he and his wife both did um, two. I don't I, I wouldn't even know exactly like what to call it Two stints to two sets Mm -hmm. within the Peace Corps, both in Senegal. Hmm. Um, And so he had kind of said, you know, this would be perfect for you. His um, wife went in, essentially, they they went in as a married couple. And a lot of the times, um, especially when they went in the early 70s and then also again in the late 70s and early 80s, um, his wife originally was someone who was like I want to go with you but I'm not really sure exactly what I'm going to do and so they had said well you know the best thing for you here in this village in Senegal is to follow around the midwives and Mm -hmm. watch what they're doing learn something for yourself and she ended up creating this wonderful midwifery career for herself came back to Los Angeles um, created the first freestanding birth clinic in Los Angeles in the 70s and did all of these really incredible things and so he knew that I personally wanted to be a midwife and wanted not just to be a midwife, but to do something bigger with it. I I didn't want to, you know, I didn't really want to work in a hospital setting, but I wasn't so sure that I wanted to be exclusively, you know, like a home birth midwife. I wanted to feel like I was giving something more to the bigger picture. Um, And so his idea was, why don't you kind of do what my wife did and go off into the Peace Corps? And so I had brushed it off. A lot of the times that he brought it up. Um, And then uh, after I had applied to grad schools last year, um, I kind of knew that something about it was off. Like I I had only applied to one school because that was the one school I wanted to go to. And I had gotten the feeling even before I had heard the decision that I I wasn't quite sure. Um, And so before I had heard anything, I was like, you know what, let's just try it. And I applied for the Peace Corps. And it was a surprisingly easy application. Hmm. Um, uh, And then shortly after that, I had found out that I was waitlisted to the program that I had applied to. And everything else with the Peace Corps started taking off really fast. Um, And the application process, um, you know, sped up and they were giving me clear indications that they wanted me much faster than grad school was. And so Mm -hmm. I had decided, you know what, why not, you know, take this time before I go back to try and immerse myself in something that's going to make me a better provider in every way possible. Um, And I think that a lot of um, Peace Corps volunteers take offense to the idea that Peace Corps is kind of like a glorified gap year. Hmm. It's 
pretty offensive to them. And I'm sure that that will be something that will be offensive to me once I'm actually in it. But from where I stand right here, it kind of was something like that. It wasn't, it was more of an idea of, you know, I have this specific set of skills. I know I can do something with it. I know I'm not going to be someone who um, is totally unqualified for the position that I'm going for. Um, and I know that even just being in the presence of these women and watching what they do will be a huge benefit to me and therefore my career and therefore the women that I help in the future. And so to take that time to, you know, learn about other cultures, to learn a different language, to, um, you know, um, hone in on my creative thinking process or creative solving process because, you know, you have so little to work with or, you know, working on how to make other women comfortable, even though we may not speak the same language or mm -hmm. be of the same culture. Um, that was something I knew that I wanted to do before I even went back in and tried grad school, especially because, um, for midwifery programs, I'm 23 and I'm applying against women who are usually in their 30s and 40s hmm. because most women come into midwifery after they've had their own children or experiences with friends having children or have experienced it in some way in their adult life that they've decided that this is what they want to do. And for me, it was, you know, 17 years old waking up like, this is an option. The idea of this career blows my mind, and that's why I want to do it. It wasn't because I ever had any personal experience with birth. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's something also um, that other schools and, and programs find a little bit strange. Mm. And so um, they also don't trust you in, in that way, In I mean, in that regard. Um, and so – my goal with the Peace Corps was to come out of it with a lot more life experience, to be closer to the same page as these other women, to have, you know, a set of skills that I would then be able to apply in various other ways. Mm -hmm. So you're going to be a midwife. They assigned you, the Peace Corps assigned you to be a midwife there, wherever you're going. N no, actually, um, midwifery is a highly medicalized, uh, not highly medicalized, but it's... Um, uh, you are a medical professional. There's a ton of training to it. And so for me, my actual exact um, job description is uh, HIV and AIDS outreach coordinator. Mm. But because I will be in South Africa, it's a, that is a disease that touches so many different lives um, that the scope of that position is so broad. Um, you know, I could work with, you know, teen groups in teaching them how to protect themselves or um, work with new mothers and how to protect their children mm. or so many different things that you could do with it. And so my goal is to go into it saying, um, you know, uh, about, I think it's like eight or nine weeks into your training, you meet with um, the placement officers and kind of give them your preferences for whatever site you want to go to. And within that to say, you know, this is what I've done. This is my education and my background and all the certifications that I have. And I know that I would best serve somewhere in a clinic with midwives where whatever you want me to do within that, I'm totally cool with, but somewhere where I can watch them mm -hmm. and just see what they do. And that would make me beyond happy. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, you're going to South Africa. Yes. And when do you go? January 16th. Mm. Yes. <laughs> and does that involve training then right away or yes. they're so on site? You, 
for the Peace Corps, you end up um, meeting all everyone that's a part of your cohort, as well as hmm. some various officers within um, the actual Peace Corps itself um, in either New York City or Philadelphia. I personally will be going to Philadelphia. Um, and you spend a day there with everyone kind of playing icebreakers and like, congratulations, here you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you all get on a plane together and you go over to South Africa and then you spend the next three months um, on uh, living with host families that kind of surround, I, I don't want to say a compound, but almost like a compound where there's like um, various places for different language learning classes mm. or cultural learning classes or, you know, um, uh teachers will take you out to different places surrounding where your host families are to kind of show you what it's like to live there. Mm -hmm. Um, And you spend, you know, three months doing that. And then about 10 weeks into it, you find out exactly where in the country you're going to be living. Um, And a week after that, you go and visit wherever Mm. you are. Or, Or actually, no, I don't think it's a week after that. I think it's like almost immediately after that. You go visit for a day or a weekend or something like that. And then you come back, you finish up your training. And then after that, they kind of say, all right, find your way on public transportation and get back to where you are. Um, and then you've got three months of community integration um, where you technically aren't supposed to leave. No one's supposed to come visit you. Hmm. You are supposed to put your all into meeting the people who are part of your community, understanding what problems they think that they have and coming up with possible, not possible solutions to it because that's more of a bigger picture thing, but coming up with different projects that you can do to try and mitigate those problems or creating sustainable solutions to those problems. Um, And then after that three months is up, then you are free to kind of be a Peace Corps volunteer from then on in. You actually start in on your projects. You Mm -hmm. go to work. um, You come back and visit the Capitol every once in a while. You do trainings and the works. And, um, yeah, you spend two years doing that. (laughs) (laughs) And you're likely to be pretty in a fairly remote place. Yes, for the most part. Um, There are some uh, city placements, although they're not common. Um, For the most part, Peace Corps volunteers live in rural uh, areas where, you know, they live at the same level as everyone else in their community. They usually live on um, the property of a host family so that they are better protected. Um, And you live like everyone else. Mm -hmm. And what did you study here at Westcon? I actually ended up creating my own degree. Hmm. I was one of those who went through many different... um, uh, majors as most college students do. Um, so I originally came to Westcon to be a nursing major, was a part of the nursing program, decided that it just wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't set up the way that would help me learn best. Um, and so I took the initiative to leave the nursing program. And then I, you know, I became a, a biochemistry major and then a biology major. And then finally, my second to last semester, I think it was the very end of my senior year, um, I had decided, you know, I forgot that there's even an option that you can go into the department head and say, hey, I want to create my own major. And so I did. And I make a lot of jokes that I created my major in like in a lazy attempt to not have to take, you know, a lot of the biology classes that I didn't want to take. <laughs> but it was almost 
ingenious because people think that it was like this amazing, miraculous thing. Like, oh, my God, you created your own curriculum. Um, and I also have to continue to remind myself that because I knew so clearly what I wanted to do with my life um, and I knew that what I was doing required a lot of outside education, I was continuously going outside WestCon to do other things and to get other certifications like becoming doula certified or hmm. um, working with a bunch of midwives down in Tennessee to become a mid, uh, midwife's assistant or you know going up to Hartford and taking uh, workshops to be a certified lactation consultant and all mm. of these other things that, you know, I make jokes about how my alternative education was out of laziness, but it, in the end, it really wasn't. It, no. I was doing other work and I was so focused on um, this bigger picture that I had done so many other things on top of it. And so, you're graduated now? I am graduated now. I'm graduated almost a year, which is crazy. No kidding. Yeah. And still working with Rob Whittemore on the Peace Corps Oh, stuff? We, we have... Uh, frequent phone calls talking about, you know, what I'm doing. And, and um, we actually just had a phone call the other day because um, I was so excited to tell him I just got back from Hawaii and a whole bunch of crazy stuff happened while I was there. And I was so excited to get on the phone and be like, you'll never <laughs> believe this. <laughs> but, yeah. Were you in the honors program, too? I was mm -hmm. in the honors program. Um, I, I really, really loved what the honors program had to offer in terms of these like weird alternative classes that you don't think you ever would have taken or, or would have been exposed to otherwise, like, you know, like Arthurian literature mm -hmm. or, um, uh, a, a whole class on the, the art as well as the neuroscience behind learning and just amazing things that were probably some of my favorite classes ever were all through the honors program. Mm. And then on top of that, you know, if the honors program has this wonderful thing where if you feel like you can't fit in one of the classes they offer, you can always go to another teacher and um, ask them if you can kind of like enhance their class mm. and turn it into an honors level um, class, which I I tried to do twice. I think I actually only ended up doing it once because it involves extra work. And it, not that I didn't want to do the extra work, but I think there were other things going on where it wasn't really possible in the first class. The professor has to agree to it, too. Exactly. And in, in both situations, the professors were more than happy to, you know, be a part of your enhanced mm -hmm. learning. Um, but actually, that was how Dr. Whittemore and I got close in the first place was because I had gone to him um, when I had taken medical anthropology with him to say, hey, I need an honors class for this semester. I think it would really work with your class, considering a majority of our curriculum is actually around midwifery and the practices of birth around the world in various <laughs> points of history. Um, and I'm deeply interested in that. And that was when we first started, you know, having weekly meetings and discussing my research and um, that continued on ooh, <laughs> that continued on um, until uh, you know I had developed really a, um, a wonderful relationship with him and a mentorship but also this really incredible research as well and so that was something that I was really 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 glad that I did and it was something that the honors program offered to mm -hmm. me and so you woke up when you were 17 and said, I want to be a midwife. Is that how it worked? Yeah. Uh, 
I was originally, at that point, I was applying to college. It was my senior year of high school. And uh, I thought that I had wanted to go to art school. And um, I, I think I wanted to be like an art teacher or an art therapist or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, I don't know. I wasn't totally attached to it, but it was the only thing that I thought that I would want to do. And mm-hmm. then one day I turned on Call the Midwife, the TV show, and <laughs> and I kind of realized, like, holy crap, this is this is still a vocation. Like, this is still something that people wake up every day and they do with their lives. And I wanted something or a career path so badly that would blow my mind every day and I realized that midwifery was really the only thing that was going to do that for me and the more I learned about it the more I fell in love with it and still you know six years later I wake up every day and I'm like oh my god I get to do this (laughs) and I'm and I'm and I'm still learning and I'm and I'm Mm. not even to me, I don't even feel close yet to the end goal, and I don't even care. Like, I just want to keep going. Yeah. Spending two years in Africa, though, will help get you towards there. Oh, absolutely. You'll see a lot of absolutely. stuff there, probably. Yeah. So it's still interesting, though, that you just kind of click with midwifery. It's like um, there aren't that many like you, right? No, there aren't. <laughs> and I've, I've – yeah. <laughs> I had to learn that kind of the hard way of – Especially, you know, when I always felt kind of, um, I don't want to say I felt like ostracized because that's not exactly the word, but I definitely felt like the odd one out Mm -hmm. a lot of the times because there are so many people my age who have no idea what they want to do because they haven't really been exposed to much or, um, they follow very traditional paths or, um, they need more time to explore themselves and the world around them, and they haven't been given that 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 yet. And I wasn't given that so much either, but I had such a clear uh, sight of who I was so early that it was much easier for me in many ways. And I always felt very different because of that, because I already knew what I wanted, and yeah, I was already – it was, you know, like laser beams focused in mm-hmm. – um, and so, oh gosh, I don't remember where this original point was going. It's interesting though <laughs> that you're still uh, you feel not ostracized, but the odd man out because the majority of midwives are they start older, mm-hmm. as you say, yeah, after having other experiences. That's another part of it, you know, especially doing tours of the school that I wanted to go to and speaking to the other girls who were applying. Um, because it is, you know, like 90%, 98% of the time, other women who are applying. Um, and their reactions to me saying like, oh, yeah, I'm only 22. And it was like, oh, my God, you're a baby. What are you even doing here? But I want it so bad. Mm-hmm. That'll help you, though, in South Africa, too, yeah. right? You'll be odd person out there, too. Absolutely. Living in a, a village with... Um... No other Peace Corps members, right? Uh, sometimes you – it depends on your placement. Sometimes you could be really close with mm. another Peace Corps volunteer. Sometimes you might be hours away from another Peace Corps volunteer. So it totally depends. I, I, it's a crapshoot at this point. I have no idea where I'm yeah. going, who I'm going to be with. Yeah. And uh, how about your family? What do they think about it all? Um it was a little difficult to get them used to the idea at first. I mean, my dad was always really supportive. My dad was the one who was like, sure, why not? Do it. Have fun. Um, 
my mom was a bit more tentative um, just because, you know, now that I we actually had a conversation about it a couple days ago um, where she had mentioned to me, you know, it was a lot easier for her to watch me go off and do cool things and, and learn more as a kid where she had more control over mm -hmm. my future and my daily actions. But now that I am an adult in my own world, going off and doing these big things that I said I would, it scares her a lot more because she has no control at all. Yeah. Um, and so this is one of those times where she, I've really appreciated, appreciated and been grateful for how um, she's kind of let go of the reins and said, you know, all right, I trust you. Mm -hmm. I think that you're making a good decision. I think that you will further your career. I think that you'll become a better person. Um, and so go off and do it. And so she is now excited about it. And it's also, I think, comes as a product of her move to Burlington, Vermont. And there's a lot of Peace Corps volunteers, like no, returned Peace Corps volunteers <laughs> up in Burlington. And um, she's a dental hygienist, so a lot of them are her patients. And so hearing a lot of them come in and talk so fondly about their time and their service um it has also made her warm up to the idea i think my grandparents still are a bit concerned but you know that's to grandparents <laughs> <laughs> that's right do have you talked to peace corps volunteers about kind of re-entry into your uh, previous life or life back in the u.s and what that's like after two years it's hard sometimes isn't it yeah um i haven't the only person i've spoken personally like one-on-one -on -one to about it because i mean i've read a whole lot online there it, the internet at this point sometimes is the bane of my existence and then other times <laughs> you know when i'm trying to learn about the peace corps and like what my experience is going to be like and what reintegration will be like um it's such a wonderful resource to hear from all these different people about what it was like for them. And a lot of the times it's very hard, very stressful. There's, you know, a lot of reverse culture shock and everything else that comes with that. Um, but Dr. Whittemore and I had a long conversation this summer about um, this idea of essentially the same sort of thing that we were talking about just a couple minutes ago of, you know, you feel like you have this, it's not like you have a secret, but you have this thing that you feel like you've discovered mm -hmm. and you feel like has, the world has given to you and you want to talk about it and you want to, you know, tell people about how much more there is out there. And a lot of people don't really want to hear it. <laughs> and that is probably one of the biggest things that yeah. he told me was a part of reintegration was that so many people will not be interested at all and you'll want to tell them everything and that's they funny, just won't though. want to listen huh. i never thought of it that yeah. way yeah and of course like there's that and then there's also the idea of coming home and then like walking into a walmart and mm -hmm. seeing like 30 different types of oreos and like losing your mind over that but uh, yep. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of a mix of stressors like those the uh thing about not wanting to hear about it though is strange because it'll be fascinating right? yeah and 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 that's the thing i mean it, it's not of course not everyone um, some people will be totally mm -hmm. interested and and fascinated and want to hear all about it but there will also be other people who um feel as though I, the way that it was described to me was they feel as though it's almost attack an attack on their own character uh -huh. because they haven't done something like that or because they've lived a more sheltered life or they're lazy no i don't think it's that they're no, lazy no, i that think they're lazy. i think that 
um, they don't feel as though they've been given an opportunity or they've taken the opportunities that they've had to do something like that. And therefore they feel as though you think you are better than them Mm. because you've gone and done these things when really it's not that at all. It's that now that you've done those things, you want to share it with everyone and you, and you hope that other people are going to be as deeply interested in, you know, human rights and Mm -hmm. global affairs. And some people would rather live in their bubble Mm -hmm. because it's more comfortable. Right. It's very interesting. I'm so happy you came in. Uh, you know, best wishes on this next couple of years. It Thank sounds so like much. it'll be great. And um, go tell them all about Westcon while you're out there in um, oh, South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks, Rachel. Absolutely. Veronica Canassis, our library director here on campus does a lot of reading, as you might imagine, and she brings us her latest favorite book in this episode of In the Stacks. This is a weird one. This is going to have it you is go a weird in, This one. is going to have you go into Google to look up some of this stuff. Actually, I put it on my <laughs> I found it and put a hold on it for my books on tape. Oh, nice. Yeah, can't wait to hear it. <laughs> cool. Oh, and now you have a book. I have a book, yes. So it's about books. Mm -hmm. Surprise. (laughs) Um, But I recently was on a great trip, and on this trip, I brought my iPad with me so I can read my ebook because when you're on trips, ebooks are much more convenient. I could bring a stack of books in one thin device. So um, I read a book called The Book Woman of Troublesome Creek. And it's a novel. It's a historical novel, um, and it was super interesting. But it is based on the true story that way back when, in the early 20s and maybe 30s, um, in Kentucky and, and other places too, other rural places too, there were librarians who, in order to reach the most rural and most remote places, would have their pack horses and they would pick up books at the central location and they would ride up and down these mountains and into the most remote, dangerous places to deliver books to people. And I think that it's such a touching story, not only of the importance of information, the importance of the written word, but um, how librarians can really, really make a difference in people's lives. And the story is so fascinating about how they didn't even have enough books to bring to people. So they used to make their own books. They used to um, get magazines, and they used to cut up the magazines and and write tips in the margins and kind of collate those together and and then bring them so that they knew. And they got to know the people that they were serving so well that they knew what they were interested in. Some of them were children. Some of them were... um, uh, homebound people some of them were farmers and some of them you know were you know women who were who were aspiring or looking for a better life so some of them were parenting magazines that it was just fascinating how they were so dedicated to getting literature whether whatever form it took to people who would not have otherwise had access to the the written word and um it just i think it just just brings us back to that idea of the equalizing power of libraries, public libraries, academic libraries, 
you don't have access to it, we're going to make sure that you have access to the information that you need or the information that you want. We don't judge you. We don't, there's nothing, all we're trying to do is deliver you the content that you want. So, um, so the book was really great. And again, it's called the, the book woman of troublesome Creek An added piece of this book is that, which I didn't know about is, um, there was a, a, um, a group of people who were blue skinned and I, I can't remember every single aspect in the book, but they there they were um, she was considered colored because her skin was had this blue tinge to it. So the woman the book is about um, not only was she a, a book woman, which was an unusual profession, like she was supposed to get married and have babies, but she was colored. She was blue. So um, so she had a couple of strikes against her. And, and um, it was really a fascinating read. So if anybody's interested in the pack women, <laughs> the pack librarians of Kentucky, um, this is a great, a really great book. Dr. Missy Alexander, the provost for the university, comes in and talks with us about really interesting academic subjects. That's her job. And she's here today with a Provost Minute. So uh, the theme of this blog was cultivating agency. Uh, But I think that the context in my mind was a very powerful moment I had in the classroom. Um, My first year as a full-time faculty member, I had been an adjunct for many years, but I was a full-time faculty member at Marist College. It was my first semester when September 11th happened, which was the first week, second week of classes. I happened to be teaching as it was going on, and that campus had not a small number of students with family right there, okay? So it was a very tense and uh, horrible moment for us, for everybody, you know. And we all can talk about where we were and what happened. So anyway, I was, um, you know, with my students. And then the world evolved in front of us. And uh, we started uh, down the path to uh, war, basically. And there were many moments in that pathway that were scary and contentious. And and I was in a class and we were talking. It was actually about Colin Powell's speech at the U.N., and we had a moment of um, debate about it, I guess, you know. And at the end, we all left. We had different opinions of what that meant, but that was fine. We had the conversation. I made sure that uh, uh, because I was asked for my opinion, because I don't necessarily always say it when I'm cultivating dialogue, but when I was asked, I had to say, and one of the students was sort of shocked by my opinion of it, and I had to say, no, but you're allowed to have yours, and here's why we differ. But anyway, this became a climate for our students. And eventually a student said to me, after we start scrutinizing policy mistakes or the scale of the world, what are we to do, right? Is everything we do just worthless because we know that it's so much bigger and more powerful than we are? And that is not the message I wanted my students to get. So When I think about teaching and cultivating agency, I think about scale. Because it is impossible to think how we're going to change the whole. You know, but in many ways, the old think globally, act locally motto is very helpful. If you just think about policy, right, or political movements, 
In a very small town where I live, it's pretty direct. I can go to a town meeting and voice an opinion and potentially sway opinion on something. Well, so can most of my students. I mean, the towns around here are not that big, right? Danbury's pretty big, but even there, the town meetings are open to the public and your access to your representatives is pretty direct because we're small enough. Take that moment to do that. Similarly, on our campus, right? It is true, there are a lot of rules. Sorry, higher ed is full of rules. But there's also a lot of ways that rules change with good input. And so when students reach out to say, listen, this is a policy that's hurting us, they really do have power. So I really feel like in our classes, we do need to educate our students about where things are not going well, right? Uh, about, um, well, histories, uh, social histories of our culture reveal a lot of uh, policies that were discriminatory and awful to people. And over time, they have been changing, but we're not done yet. It does us no good to not talk about the fact that they need to change, but we should also remind everybody that they have. So don't start at a point in time where you say, this is awful, and it's awful, and we just keep conspiring to do this awful thing without acknowledging how it has gotten better, and so it is possible to continue to make it better. That's what I mean by cultivating agency. And it is very much about not avoiding hard conversations, but actually trying to have them and trying to help people find agreement and disagreement in civil ways, right? Uh, I was thinking about it yesterday. Really, really, you know, we spend a lot of time looking for differences, not enough time looking for commonalities, you know? So maybe that's a way to cultivate that agency. And I did, I have had amazing things happen in classes with students who really disagree, where they came to better understanding of each other, right? They may not have changed their opinion, but they were no longer able to demonize a person who they disagreed with. Take it from there, then how do we keep this dialogue going and reshape the things that are going on around us? Because again, if we just let ourselves consume the messages that come at us on whatever news feed you want, you know, name it, your Twitter, your social media, your uh, mainstream media, whatever it is, you will feel disempowered. And I feel like we are the organization that should help empower, not direct, just empower. And that's where I am with Cultivating Agency. And now, recorded live in the basement of Whitehall, student and campus Hellraiser Chantel Williams <laughs> brings us all the campus events she wants you to know about. Hi. Hi. <laughs> you know, Chantel's always running around uh, like she's in a hurry, but actually yes. this week she's uh, kind of relaxing, right? Yeah, it's, uh, like after, yes, well, Wednesday. After Wednesday, it's kind of like um, I'm good to go for now because I'm like kind of done. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I have just one more paper to hand in, and then, but as far as classes and everything, I'm done. And your <laughs> so, internship, you're done with that? Um, I have two more days of internship, but um, it's pretty like it's it's only two days out of the week, so it's not 
you know, right. anything too stressful. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be relaxing. <laughs> you had a six-day weekend this week because of Thanksgiving yes. and the snow day. Yes. So that and must have been fun. It was fun, but then I was also sick as well. So oh. I was just like, uh, well, it's like a, it's good that I didn't have to take, you know, miss class or anything. So the snow day kind of helped me out. But, um, yeah, I was just like, I was sick. So I guess it was like a, it, it was kind of like a sick, relaxed day. <laughs> <laughs> Did that's, you... how, that's how you know you're a grown-up. You just yeah. said yes. you were glad for the snow day because it meant you didn't have to. It didn't yeah. ruin your class <laughs> yes. instead of being glad it was a snow day so you could play in the snow. No, right. really. <laughs> You're officially a grown up. I know. I have made that crossover. <laughs> I think when I start to hear the weather and I don't get like as excited as I used to, and I'm just like thinking about all of the the damage it's going to do, rather yeah. than oh, it's going to be a snow day. <laughs> I think that's when I officially made the crossover. <laughs> Then you have kids and it goes back the other way. Now yeah. I'm all excited. <laughs> and were you able to drag yourself to the Thanksgiving table and eat Thanksgiving I, Oh, yes, dinner? definitely. I was not letting my sickness affect. I I took my antibiotics and I was like, I'm going to enjoy <laughs> I'm gonna enjoy my um, Thanksgiving. That's good. So it was it was really good. Yes, my football team won. Yeah. So very excited for that. that <laughs> Go Bears. <is> yes. <laughs> so it was good. It was good. It was a good Thanksgiving. And I had lots of food. It was overwhelming amount of food so was that your mom's house yes she cooked yeah. I mean. yeah i was i usually help her but because i was like sick i didn't want to like you know infect mm-hmm. the food or anything infect people so <laughs> she just let it she gets up early and she gets it done so um it's good for a lot of people there no it was family? like a small just like the immediate family really so myself my brother my dad um and my grandma mm. yeah so at christmas we have like a big family coming yeah. so yeah my uncle's coming with my cousin so that should be pretty fun. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you uh, review? editions uh, of the podcast for your family while over the Thanksgiving. I didn't. I didn't. Why That's not? a good idea. I should have. You should have. Your parents would have liked that, <laughs> I right? know. Because they but do you know, re- listen. Right. There's always Christmas, though. So, And yeah, my uncle, I don't crown. think he has. he's tuned in yet, so that should uh-huh. be fun. They have a PowerPoint presentation <laughs> yeah, for Yeah, I'm them. like, listen here. This, this is what... <laughs> all the topics that we touch on, the time, <laughs> you know, everything. <laughs> so, yeah, they're going to have a whole PowerPoint. I, I can, you know, have a little printouts and stuff like that so they can Tell really where they can visualize, sign up. yeah, oh. <laughs> really visualize everything. <laughs> Good idea. You can put yeah. them on your Christmas cards too if you want. Yes. <laughs> Have you had any of your friends listen to this podcast? Yeah, a couple, oh, and then like they actually enjoyed it, and they didn't realize how many events that were going on, um, and just like the different types of events. So I was like, yeah. So if you ever want like an outlet to like listen, and you know you don't feel like reading anything or anything like that, just tune into the podcast and just spread the word. So, That's good. Did they yeah. say anything about me? Um, no, oh but it's okay. <laughs> I don't know if it's okay. It's like, <laughs> wow. They said they really enjoyed the podcast, so I think that's the collective. Uh-huh. They enjoyed it. <laughs> All right, I'll take that. So what's going on this week? Well, it's um, finals week, so we're getting into that. Um, there's going to be a few, like, stress bu- busters classes and stuff like that. So, like, the dogs are coming. You can pet them, which is very relaxing. Um, and they're very row trained mm. unlike my dog she'll be just like running all over the place she, she'll probably add more stress than you know too, de-stress yeah. so um I, it's nice that they have like these dogs um that come and just relax your brain because this is a time when you really look at <laughs> kids at campus if you really go to the library and sit down you'll see the stress on everyone's faces <laughs> and that was me this past week when because we uh-huh. had finals early so everyone all of the social work majors were taking over the library and we were just in there like just like cramming and getting everything together well, that's so good. it's pretty fun 
everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Working um, hard. Yeah. But it's always it's always nice because we have the support of each other. So we already know like we're all go- going through the same thing. Mm-hmm. So just to be in there at the same time, you know, just picking each other's brains, helping each other out. That's that's always fun as well. So yeah. it, that's always a good tip for finals week. If you um, like need a study partner or something like that, get a study group going, something so that you can just feel like the support from each other. So. Are you getting A's? I am, yes. Oh, good. Yes, I am making Dean's List again. So oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait till the final grades come out. Um, it should be exciting. And then just one more semester to go. So, that's right. Yeah. So it's just like, it's kind of crazy. So mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's fun. And then there's also some events going on. Like um, later on tonight, um, PAC is hosting ice skating. No kidding. Yes, at the um, ice skating rink um, on Midtown. Mm-hmm. I, for, I don't know the exact address, but it's right like, by so, the train station. Right. Um, I- Ive Street, near Ive yes, Street. Yes, yes. It's really fun. I've been, like, for the past three years since I've been here, um, and it's just it's late-night ice skating. And it's funny because I really can't ice skate. But, like, when I get on there at first, I'm just, like, terrible. Mm-hmm. And then I start to adjust. <laughs> so <laughs> That's good. Yeah, so that's a fun event. And that starts, I believe, at 9, and shuttles will be able to take students there as well. That's great. Um, you might have to remind them, but... They'll be there. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, that's always a fun event. Um, and then on Sunday, um, December 8th, I can't believe we're already in December and it's mm. just like counting down. The Alumni Association is hosting a like alumni uh, reception and that's at 12.30 p.m. in the Daily Grind on West Side. Um, and there is a cost. It's a $25 cost, which includes like a ticket um, to the 2 p.m. performance. And it's called the 1940s Radio Hour. Mm-hmm. So that should be interesting. So they're doing a reception before the play. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's going to be a good, I, I don't know. I wasn't around during the 1940s, so I think it should be pretty interesting <laughs> to see maybe like the music, the culture and everything like mm-hmm. that. Um, and then they're having like a nice little reception after um, starting at 3 p.m. So that should be fun. Yeah. And they're having like holiday jazz performances and everything like that during the reception as well. So that should be fun. So mm. there is a cost to that and you can go on. Um, the Alumni Association page to purchase your ticket, um, and that should be like a fun, fun thing. So again, that's December eighth, um, and that's at two p.m. Um, so you can go out and see the the play, and then listen to some nice performances and things like that. So that should be fun. Um, and then there's also going to be on Monday. It's called Take a Load Off, which is what, you know, start of finals week, mm-hmm. <laughs> fresh on Monday, and this is going to be in um, the library of Midtown. They're going to offer snacks and crafts and puzzles, and then that's where the dogs are going to be brought back as well. So you can take a load off and just relax, study a little bit, go there and have a good time. And Is that the library? Yes, hmm. the library, right on Midtown, yeah. Hmm. So they're going to be right in there. So don't be alarmed if you see, like, dogs and stuff in the library. Yeah, it is alarming usually when you see <laughs> usually dogs Usually they do it campus. at Warner, so I'm surprised they're doing yeah. it in the library. But maybe they just, they're trying to, you know, draw the crowd because they know all the students are going to be in the library during this time. So, right. um, And that's fun. And that's, I believe it's taking place. They didn't put a time, so I believe it's taking place all day um so yeah so just go there um and just take a load off like mm-hmm. the title says so <laughs> that should be fun and then they're also going to give um self-care bags so that's um something that's offered to wcsu students as well and that's brought to you by it's on us the club um they do a lot of like self-care things and have like a lot of discussions like mm-hmm. that and so um it's going to be a giveaway there's no charge or anything like that and that's happening on monday um and that's happening at noon, so that should be fun as well. So I think it's going to be a good time. 
Um, and then there's, of course, the usual group fitness classes. So if you want to get fit. Or, also, um, working out and things, that's kind of like a good stress reliever for a lot of students. They go to the gym. They relieve some stress, some steam um, by working out. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, if you don't have really a way to, like, a, like a positive self-care thing, try different options. That's what I would say. Um, and you'll see which one works best for you. Some people like, you know, to really blow off steam and exercise and run and things like that. Others just like to sit in, like, in a quiet room, just relax, you know, meditate and things like that. So you just have to find what works best for you. Right. It's so. better than drinking until you pass out. Yes. Um, I wouldn't recommend that. I don't think that's the best self-care. It's not, no, it's not. So just try to stay away from that and trying to find positive self-care things is what what's in, what's important. So I that's think good. that's, yeah. Um, and then there's going to be a late night breakfast, which is exciting. I always love the late night breakfast, and that's happening December the 9th at 11 p.m. Um, in the Student Center. And I believe it's going to be on West Side this time. No, it's going to be at, on Midtown because I know every um, semester they change it. Mm-hmm. So if so it's on Midtown this semester, and most likely it's going to be on West Side next semester. And that's going to start um, at 11, and it goes to midnight. So it's late night breakfast. You know, People come with their friends and um, just relax as well. It's a good stress reliever. You eat some food, um, and then you go back to the dorm and probably cram. <laughs> so, <You're right>. <laughs> <laughs> or you can bring your stuff with you and you can study while you're eating. So it's it's up to you, but it's always nice. They always have a good variety. I know last year they had French toast sticks and mm. pancakes, waffles, eggs, bacon. They have like, a, and they also have like vegan options as well. If you um, don't eat meat or whatever, you know, the case may be, they have mm-hmm. options as well. So that's You don't really fun. need to go because your finals are all over. Yeah, I know. But you're going to go anyway. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, I'm just going to be like, it's my uh, farewell breakfast for the semester. <laughs> but And you don't need a meal swipe as well. So it's for mm. commuters and um, students that live on campus. You don't need a meal swipe or anything like that. So that's it's good. free. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, again, that's December the 9th um, from 11 p.m. to midnight. And that is Monday on Midtown. So get there early because there's usually a line because people do not play about their food. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't play about their food. So, um, And so, yes, a Take a Load Off is happening all this week. So that's one thing I forgot to mention. It's happening Monday and I believe through Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's nice. They're going to be there all week. So if you can't go one day, go the other day um, and just go there to relax. So, And, again, there's no time, so I'm, I'm guessing it's all day. And the group fitness classes are happening um, every day next week as well. So um, that should be good. Hmm. And at different times. So if you can't make one session, you can make another session. We take care of students here at Westcon. Yes. And it's and that's something that kind of gets like unrecognized, like so, like the amount of um, things that we like Westcon tries to give to the students to just um, make finals week a little better or just make, you know, your experience here, like, you know, stress free and just try to um, give a lot of options and things like that. So that's always something I'm grateful for because I know like there's something going on. And if I miss one thing, I'm able to do something Mm. else, you know, so um, it's that's always a good thing, especially during that week. You know, you're super stressed out. You, You see you're halfway there. You're like you're almost there, but you just have to finish this off. And so they know like this is a stressful time and we just do the best that we can to, uh, you know, make it the least stressful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there's also going to be a meditation um, going on as well, and that's going to be happening in Burke. So you can go there as well and meditate, whichever, again, whichever self-care option works best for you. Um, and, you know, I'm big social work, so self-care is always important. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. as social workers, we, we take, we have to 
take self-care moments for ourselves. So, you know, any option that we get that's always discussed in class and things like that, that's why we have, like, a huge potluck, like, um, party to just end off the semester to kind of de-stress and everything because you get so wrapped up and then you can... And it can be unhealthy depending on how you, like, deal with stress because there's positive stress and then there's negative stress. So you got to... I guess that's true. Yeah. I feel like not all stress is bad. I feel mm-hmm. like because I like a little bit of stress because it... It keeps me motivated to keep moving forward, and I'm not, like, contempt in the place that I'm at. So the, a little bit of stress, you know, just, you know, a little bit of just a push. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're getting overwhelmingly stressed to the point where you can't um, effectively do things, then that's when you need to take a step back and see, okay, what can I change to, to make things better? They should have a social worker in every class on campus, Thank right? you. <laughs> <laughs> I, listen, <laughs> I don't think people really, you know, don't understand the, you know, the power of a social worker and yeah. the mindset. You know, we look at things just a little differently. And there's like a lot of like, I would like to say undercover social workers, like you have the social worker mindset, but you don't even realize like how you're utilizing it and everything. And so um, it's, a, and then, listen, we're. We're advocates, so we're constantly advocating for social workers in schools and offices and different settings because um, we just see all aspects. I think mm-hmm. so. You know, it's important. We so I think that's that's a positive thing. Yeah, <laughs> You've learned a lot here. Yes, yes, and I'm taking all that with me. So mm-hmm. um, and so it's 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 kind of cool because when I first came in, I was just like I wasn't all about self care. I didn't really recognize it, you know, things like that. But now, you know, I'm making it an effort and a point to talk about it and to do it myself as well. So, right. Yeah. Which so we also exciting. should. Yes, yes. Everyone deserves to just take a, a break one time and mm-hmm. just, just do whatever makes them happy. So, yes, yeah, so that's exciting. And so to end off the week, there's going to be – oh, the books. Uh, the bookstore has extended their hours. So in case you have any books, you don't want to have any fees on your account, <laughs> any holds. So let's get those books into the bookstore. They have extended their hours from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Um, and they're going to be open all this week. So – um, just make sure you return your books because <laughs> you don't want to hold on your account. Because um, that can then, affect your – they won't give you your grades, right, or put them on your – Yeah, um, so they'll probably um, – depending on how much you owe, um, you might not be able to see your final grades mm. or, you know, if you're graduating, you need to get that done, you know, yeah. so because um, you don't want to, like, mess that up. Um, even registering for classes, if you haven't done that already mm. and you have a hold on your account, that can affect that as well. So just make sure that – you're being responsible when you just think about those books. As soon as you're done with them, just go and return them um, mm-hmm. so you can, you know. And even books that you purchased, um, you can kind of, like, depending on the, you know, the book and if they need it or not, you can maybe sell them back to the bookstore because they offer that option as well. And that's um, something a lot of students don't know is mm-hmm. that you can sell the books back to the bookstore. I know something that we do in the social work department, um, which is the seniors of last year, the last class um, started for us, is just donating the books so that the incoming class will have books and so they wouldn't have to purchase it if we don't need them anymore. So we have, like, you know, human behavior books and things like that, so we leave them in the social work department. And so if there's um, a social work student that can't afford a book or, you know, you know, you don't need that's to purchase a, a book, yeah. it's right there. So um, that's what we're trying to get most departments to try to do maybe. Um, as long as are, a professor doesn't change the Yes, book, as right? long as you don't <laughs> – as long as you stay updated with the book. But um, it's pretty – it's pretty solid for, um, I know, our department. I don't know about everyone else's, but um, it's just important because, like, books are expensive. Mm-hmm. And so we try to help each other out as much as possible. So, yeah, selling them back to the bookstore or um, seeing if you, like, someone is either, like, giving one away or selling them for a lower price than it is online or in the bookstore is always a good option as well. Mm-hmm. So, good. yeah. <laughs> so that's um, always a good thing. And, oh, one thing that we would like to um, – 
talk about is that we're currently doing a study, the Black Social Workers Association, on it's a hair study, um, and we're actually meeting with the IRB um, next week to see if we can get it approved and everything. We're going to have different focus groups, um, and it's just about like hair discrimination or just a view of hair in the workplace and things like that. Um, and so we're looking for volunteers uh, to participate in focus groups and things like that. So that should be exciting. So that's something to look forward to in the next semester. That's a great topic. Yes, and it, um, it's not really like discussed like that. So right. um, and it's it's pretty interesting to see like we have talked to like a couple people already who had some experiences and then others that heard their stories and they were like oh I didn't think of it like that I didn't think of you know so it's just different um, aspects to be brought up so it's pretty but cool but if you're also if you're um, well you probably get people talking about your hair all the yes. time right and <laughs> yes. to touch it and all that which yes. is not you're not supposed to do right and then uh, and then you get people who don't want to talk about it because they don't want to offend you right. and all that right, so right, it's right. good to bring it out in the open yes, and talk and about talk it about and it. open discussion is always the best thing you still and can't touch your hair though. no no please don't touch it. <laughs> touch my hair but yeah, it's always it's always nice. like I don't mind um, someone like asking about my hair, you know, things. It's, you as do long change as it's, your like, hair a lot. I do. I try to <laughs> like one minute it's one color and then it's going to be changed again. Like I'm trying to think what I want to do for Christmas and things like that. <laughs> so my hair is constantly changing. That's mm-hmm. always something I like to. I just get bored very easily. I like to experiment and try different things. So, yeah. And then sometimes like. You know, people be looking at me. It's like that. Is that her? Like every time I go to the internship, I have a different hairstyle. <laughs> so they're like, "Is that the intern?" I'm like, "Yeah, this is me." Like you know, I just have different hair. That's all. <laughs> but they're like, they really take a step back. They're like, "I swore she had something different in her hair." I was like, "Yeah." Every time I come in here, I probably will have a different hairstyle. <laughs> so you don't mind people asking? About I don't. Them. I don't. I'm, I rather like you asking, like you know, it's a question about hair and stuff like that. And we all have different hair textures and things like that. Um, most of the time, everyone asks like, like just how, where do you get your hair done, and how do you do it, and things like that. And a lot of time I say YouTube. I get like, really? <laughs> yeah, it's like um, you can learn. Like I like do it your like do it yourself styles. As long as you know what you're doing, you're not like you know fry your hair off or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's just like I try to get different hairstyles and things like that. And um, I'm like learning about my texture and what I can do with it and different like. Um, like products and stuff so that's always like a big one is like products to use so i always like go to youtube or something like do some research to see okay who has hair texture like me and what products they're using and how the result comes out so yeah (laughs) it's interesting Uh, my youngest daughter was born in ethiopia Uh so she has hair a lot like yours yes and uh but she has been kind of self-conscious about it for a long time. She's mm-hmm. 17. And so she'd wear it tied up in a ponytail or in a bun or something. Yeah. And she just now started letting it go down. Oh, good, it's beautiful good. hair, yes. right? Yes. And everybody loved it. So that made her feel better. Yes. So now she's letting it go natural. A yes. Bit more. Awesome. Yeah. And and natural, natural is a whole job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, but as long as you find like, it's, it's all about finding the right products and knowing what works for your hair and what doesn't. But you do have to have patience when when it comes to natural hair because you have to you know just it, it takes uh, just about a whole day to just get like detangled and yeah. conditioned and everything like that but when it comes out the end product is just beautiful mm-hmm. so i encourage everyone to just you know love their natural self and whatever hairstyle that you choose to do you know own it and just love it so right. yeah <laughs> so we should have uh if the report comes out next semester we should have some of them definitely on the yes podcast. um we can have like those pre- myself and my um 
friend Camila, we are the ones um, that are going to be presenting this at a conference that we're going to. Yeah. Um, it's the same conference I went to last year in Atlanta, but this year it's going to be in Detroit. And so mm. we're actually presenting this year, which is huge. We're trying yeah, to put like um, WestCon on the map because we were the only undergrad social workers there. Everyone else are in their MSWs mm. and far along with their careers. And now we're the only undergrads um, pr- actually presenting a mm-hmm. year study. And, and we have two other studies that are, we're presenting as well. So, no um, wow. yeah, yeah, it's awesome. One is on mass incarceration and um, kind of like mental health. Mm-hmm. And then one is on sexuality and things like that. So it's it's a lot of different things and it's mm-hmm. a huge accomplishment. So, yeah, it'll be awesome to like have everyone come here and just talk about that and um, talk about like the results that we got, right. and, you know, the responses. Yeah. So you mentioned the IRB. That's the uh, you have to go through a committee. That yes, like the do, research committee. It's basically. like a human so, testing thing. Yes. Right? So they want to sure make sure it, right? that your um, your research is not like it's beneficial and it's not um, causing any harm, basically, to your uh, like focus groups. So mm-hmm. like I don't know if you know the Stanford uh, Prison Experiment. Mm-hmm. There, I think um, the IRB is made to to make sure that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So, like, the effects of that experiment really, you know, caused, like, long-term damage. They were tortured to the, people. Yes. Um, and it really, like, played with their mentality, and it was never the same after that experiment, which, really? which was, mm-hmm. was something that wasn't supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. So the IRB, I don't know if it was, like, around during that time or it was created after. I, I think it would probably be created after. Um, it's to make sure that doesn't happen again. And so that to make sure that we're looking at all elements and um, that everything is being addressed and properly, too, um, and ethically. Good. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so you have to go in front of a committee. I never did it, but we already we learned about it in research. So to make it and to see it actually in the forefront is going to be um, very fun and interesting. So. Yeah, because you'll doing be doing that after you graduate, yes. too. Yeah, right? so they're kind of getting like a heads up mm-hmm. on, on one's up on and seeing it. So I think it's going to go well. And that's um, happening on Wednesday. So it should be it should be exciting. So I'll be able to come back with the news and say, listen, we got the green light <laughs> or right. or not. But <laughs> hopefully you get the green. light. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> so you're not going to touch anybody's hair. Right? No, right, so. no, we're not experimenting on anyone's hair. Yeah. <laughs> it's just questions. Um, so, yeah, it should be exciting. And then that would be great for the podcast to just, mm-hmm. you know, have that on air as well. So, yeah. Excellent. So <laughs> yes. you got it all planned for next semester, too. Yes, yes. Next semester is kind of like all set. We have like a lot of events going on as well. I was talking to some of the clubs and all of the events that are happening. We have multiple fashion shows and just different um just activities, a lot of different new activities, which I'm excited for. I don't want to get into yet, but okay. the clubs are like, you know, kind of branching out and doing things differently. And then there's a lot of community stuff as well that's happening on the weekends and happening in downtown Danbury. So mm. there's a lot. There's a lot going on. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> All right. I'm looking forward to that. We'll still have at least one more podcast yes. this semester. Yeah. Um, but we'll uh, so we'll see you next week. Then. Yes. Thanks, Chantel. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Pete Puccio, for engineering this show. Our producer is Scott Volpe. I remind you to download all the episodes of this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and about anywhere you go for your podcasts. Listen every week and leave a five-star review. Thanks for listening, everyone. For Chantel Williams, this is Paul Steinmetz with At WCSU.